Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my Dodge. Headed out to my old deer stand back in the pines. Gonna get me a 10-point buck with 11-inch pines. I'm a bad Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors, hour number two of tonight's broadcast. If you're just joining us, I'm here in the studio with the flu, so if my voice is a little thinner, I break into a coughing spasm, I hope you'll forgive me because I definitely wanted to be here since we've been off the air because of some ball games here recently. Um, We're talking gun talk tonight with Gary Roman. Firearm Service Center, he's in the studio, and we're covering actually a variety of, of subjects uh, so far that pertain to gun rights and uh, sportsmen's rights. And uh, in that regard, Kurt has been kind enough to remain online during the break. Kurt, I appreciate your patience. Thank you, sir. Jim, I just want to say that uh, I really enjoy your show. You... Uh, regularly turn me on to ideas and things that I hadn't thought about before and new ways to hunt and such as that. But why I'm calling tonight is to, I have heard on the radio that nobody knows who Jeffrey Donahue is. I'm going to tell you exactly who he is. Before I do that, let me say that I am a member of local 862 UAW at the Louisville Assembly Plant, and that is where Jeffrey Donahue comes from. He came from there. He retired probably, I don't know, just a rough guess, 15 years ago, and went out, ran for office. Everybody was, woohoo! let's vote for Jeff, this, that, and another. Now, why he has turned on us and proposed this legislation I have no idea, but I just wanted to you to know and the listeners to know exactly how quickly it can turn on you in that regard. All right, and then for folks who have just joined the broadcast, Gary, uh, lay out what we're talking about here. Well, Jeffrey Donahue, who is a Kentucky legislator, 
sits in the House of Representatives from uh, it's District 37, which is Fairdale, uh, has proposed yes. legislation that would uh, take away your assault rifles, basically, and the magazines and anything that had a threaded barrel and lots of other things. I've been reading over the documentation here, and <clears throat> it's not pretty, shall we say. And it's not pretty at all. Nope, it is not. And and I, and I agree. And I just I just wanted to let people people were curious who this man was. Well, I'm telling you exactly who he is. He came out of local 862 Louisville Assembly Plant. Was a former committeeman there, and then ultimately ran for blah blah blah. That doesn't matter. But he ran for political office and won, and was thusly supported by the Democratic more or less structure of the union. But why he turned on us with this legislation, I, I, I cannot fathom. I do not know. Well, it feels like, and I can't speak for what's in another person's heart or mind, but it feels to me like one of those attempts to curry favor on the heels of tragedy. And as I mentioned in the first hour of the broadcast, that's reprehensible because it has unintended consequences for those of us who operate in a legal fashion who need weapons like that for self-defense. And for him to uh, attempt to be a legislator who would take those rights away from us and go for these gun buyback programs, there's a lot of stuff in this that's too detailed to go into here. But, uh, Kurt, it's just – it's. It's a bad idea. Uh, I think it was ill-advised. And... Jim, I think it was probably the poorest political move the man has ever made in his life. And I will kind of close out of my conversation with that regard. But I just wanted to let you know who Jeffrey Donahue was. And now now you know you can attack him from there. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Very good, sir. Gary, what is the bill number again? That's bill number 354. From Representative Jeffrey Donahue. Folks, here's what you need to do. You need to call your representative and your state senators and let them know how onerous this is and bring the heat. That's the way it works. And those of you in Fairdale, in the district, we have a lot of listeners out that way. I would encourage you to get a hold of your representative and tell him what you think about this. All right, let's go to Edwin, who's been on hold. Hey, Edwin. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hey, Ed Nybert. How, how are you, Edwin? I'm doing really good, man. Um, but to just follow up with what you all were talking about there, and I know I texted you because uh, I had a bunch of noise in my house, but I decided after Larry called that I'd call in and, and just make my voice and the league's voice heard. We have polled all nine federations in regards to uh, the House bill that you're mentioning as well as the discussion uh, that we were seeing about red flag laws. And 100% of our federations oppose any and all uh, legislation pertaining to red flag laws, pertaining to restricting our access to lawful weapons. And this bill, um, however well-intentioned, was horribly written. Uh, uh, and I implore all my 3rd District sportsmen, members up there that live within the Fairdale District, to absolutely make your voice heard on it as well as everybody across the state. All my members need to get a hold of your local representatives and vehemently 
coming from anywhere with regards to the red flag laws and to any type of uh, uh, restriction of lawful access to our weapons. Okay. And that is your all's official position, I take it. That's what you're saying. Yes, that's the official position. I will be absolutely uh, publishing a, uh, a position statement on behalf of the league. I have to get approval. I've got it drafted. I have to get approval from my directors, which will be very quick to get done. And uh, we'll be publishing that, sending that out to the LRC, um, as well as probably some news outlets as well, I would imagine. Very, very good. Gary, you've had a couple other thoughts about that legislation while we're still on that subject. Well, we're I mean, this has gotten detailed enough to explain how they're going to fund the, the the buyback of the assault weapons. And basically what it amounts to, if you decide to keep it, you're going to have a, a tax bill to pay on it so that they can take that money and apply it to the purchase from someone else. Now, once they get the purchase done, if I'm reading this correctly, the Kentucky State Police are then going to sell those weapons to people who are licensed to buy them. Now, you're talking about a can of worms. That's awful convoluted. I mean, that's just... I'm sorry, sir? I said it sounds almost like racketeering. Uh, well, <laughs> it's, it's distribution by way of taxation. <laughs> However you want to... At least that's the way it reads, Okay. Well, if that were something like that were to happen in the private sector, I, I believe it would probably fall under those those guidelines and that, that statute as well. I mean, it, it, it's awful. Yep. Well, as usual, all we can do is get the word out. But, folks, this is onerous. It's ill-advised. And I think at the end of the trail, Representative Donahue is going to realize that he stuck his head up out of the ground where he should not have. So... We'll see. Well, and, and I, if I could add, um, that in these tumultuous times between our sportsmen and the infighting that we have going on, anybody who has does anything with any weapon out there needs to be scared to death. And you need to coalesce. We need to get together and we need to nip this in the bud. And if that means we need to organize a march on Frankfurt, then let's do it. Um, it, it's been a long time since the sportsmen have exercised their voice in such a manner as we've seen done by other other parts of society in the past. And uh, I, I, if that needs to happen, then we need to make it happen, make our voices heard again. Okay. Edwin, I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Yep. And thank you for your service to the sportsman. He is, of course, president of the League of Kentucky Sportsmen and has been working diligently to – keep folks abreast of the issues and, and to fight for the sportsman's rights out there. we got to go to break here, folks. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Gene Snyder. All kind of boats for sale. They're getting ready for the sport boat and vacation show here right around the corner. We'll have a lot of news about that. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI Marine. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, Gary Roman in the studio, Firearm Service Center, Master Gunsmith. Gary, let's uh, move on here. All righty. I want to talk about something near and dear to both of our hearts. Go to it. Let's talk about Christmas gifts for the kids. (laughs) There you go. You knew where I was going because that's kind of what drives our train. And and let's take 
take it all the way through. 22 rifles that you would recommend, uh, shotguns that you would recommend, rifles for deer hunting you would recommend. You almost have to have a flow chart to follow this because it's going to be based upon size, age, and maturity of the child, child that comes down to on the thing. Um, you know, there's not a bad 22 made out there. All of them are solid performers. Um, you know, everything from the little chipmunks that you know, you would get for a six-year-old, a five- or a six-year-old to get them started off in their first gun because it has a super short little stock on it. Um, believe it or not, we sell a lot of those guns to coon hunters for use uh, when they're, because they're so easy to carry. You take that little gun and put a, a a little red dot sight on it, it makes this an awesome little coon gun, coon hunting gun. Um, the king of the hill when it comes to twenty two rifles is the Ruger 1022. Uh, unequaled by any other product out there because of its versatility and adaptability. Your squirrel hunting gun that you're so fond of is a Ruger 1022. Um it just, you can you can make the gun do anything you want to. Absolutely. Now, in in reference to the children, uh, what about single shot and or bolt actions that you would recommend for safety purposes and getting them used to all the mechanics of loading, unloading, getting them used to, you know, good gun safety. Well, there are, are very few single shot twenty two bolt actions out there. Right. The ones that are out there mostly are pull cockers. That means you have to close the action and you have to pull a plunger back in order to cock the gun to make it fireable. It's the same way the chipmunk is. Uh, I'm not real fond of that design. I'm not either, honestly. Because a child does not have the physical hand strength to pull that plunger back without letting it slip. Right. On the thing. You need an adult to be able to cock the gun. Which, which is fine when you're dealing with a, a six-year-old. When they're seven or eight, they've got enough hand strength to do it. Um, I prefer the gun, the old Remington 514. was what we started kids out on for years. Um, it was a self-cocking gun, single shot, had a rotational safety on the bolt that assured that the gun could not be fired. There's physically nothing like that left on the market. Um, Savage and Marlin both make decent little 22s that are self-cocking without the plunger-style system. Um, but you can buy a magazine-fed gun when it has a clip to it just as cheap, if not cheaper, than you can in the single shots. So most of the models have a single-shot magazine adapta- adapter to it. In other words, you can replace that clip system with a single-shot loading plate. and um, Okay, I wouldn't wear that. That's, yeah. that's good, good news. That, that, that gives you the adaptability to have a single shot and then later on give them the magazine. Which, which of the rifles offer that capability? <clears throat> Savage and Marlin both. Okay. Um, I don't know of anything that Mossberg's got out that falls in that category right now. Okay. Um, CZ offers it uh, on their guns. Okay. Hold your thought, if you will. We got a caller here who's been patiently waiting, and we'll return to that conversation. Yes, Barry, you're up. Hey, uh, uh, yes, 
Guys, I enjoy your show. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Um, I just recently lost a, a savage um, a 20, it was a 38 special. Uh, it, was, it would also shoot um, uh, a bigger caliber. Um, and I'm trying to find out how much it would cost to replace that. It was a, a, a Taurus. I think what you're trying to say is a 357 Magnum because it will also shoot 38s. Yeah, 38 and 357. All right. Uh, by today's standards, the, the 357 Magnum guns are generally all steel, which makes a very heavyweight gun to have to right. consider for use on, as a um, a concealed carry weapon. Uh, 38 Specials are made in airweight models that are made out of either aluminum or tungsten. Uh, excuse me, titanium, uh, that are much lighter to carry. Uh, and, you know, your ammunition is almost equal between the two cartridges anymore. Uh, unless you're going to okay. hunt with it, uh, for personal defense, I recommend the 38 Special over the 357 um, on the thing. And, you know, yeah, the reason I bought the gun was uh, for personal protection. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it would shoot a thirty-eight or a three fifty-seven. Right. Then there was chamber for three fifty-seven Magnum. Yeah, yeah. It was a Taurus. Right. Uh, what what price range am I looking at? You're, you're uh, looking in the four twenty-five range. Four twenty-five, okay. four fifty. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. I will be at your shop soon. All right, sir. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. All right, Barry. Thank you. Um. The discussion about 22s, your ideas about open sights versus the red dot. And, you know, I, I grew up with open sights, so I'm very fond of Everyone them. did. I mean, um, it, it, the, the aspect that you've got is a kid can see sights really well. Yep. A whole lot better than when you get on up in your years. The issue I have with the open standard run of the mill open sights is they cover up half your target on the thing. So everything from the bullseye south ain't there. Um, it, it's hard to train a child um, to regulate sight structure on the thing. Um, everyone starts off with open sights of some kind. I personally prefer the peeps because you can see 100% around the front sight. Right. They have more idea of what kind of background they've got and everything else. And a lot of your youth 22s come with peep sights versus partridge sights. Okay. Anymore. How about the red dot? Your thoughts? Love it. Absolutely love it. Give your, give your thoughts. Um, zero magnification. It draws the attention of the shooter directly to the bullseye. Uh, the only downsize to it is the size of the dot itself, which obliterates a target. At 25 yards, that dot's only an inch in diameter on the thing. Um, <clears throat> but you, you then need a larger-than-an-inch bull for them to be accurate in their shooting or to train them for accuracy. Well, I'm a guy that's always been fond in starting children by doing what I call plinking, sure. which is rolling tin cans. Yeah, rolling tin cans, blowing up uh, plastic bottles with water in them. Whatever the case may be, which accomplishes a couple of things. Number one, it teaches them how they can project that bullet 
to what their eye sees, but even more importantly in the case of a water bottle that's filled with water is it's a lot more fun man, to shoot than a piece of paper. Young man or young woman, you do need to understand that bullet would do that to you as well. Mm-hmm. This is not a toy. And I think that helps ingrain some of the gun safety yes, concepts that are paramount when you're teaching children to shoot. You know, we've been over this a hundred times. When I'm teaching kids about guns and teach kids about gun safety, the first thing I do is take them out with a gallon milk jug full of water with red cake coloring in it. And I put it on a fence post, and I gather them up close around it, and I blow that thing to, into a thousand pieces. And they get soaking wet, and you get soaking wet, and they've got their eyes about as big around the saucers. But it leaves a lasting impression on them on what a firearm really does. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in your adage, shooting water bottles or one thing or another, is the same style effect. Yep. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. Paul Thomas is a broker. Check out all of their outdoor listings, mopharrealty.com. We're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. The numbers, as usual, 571. 8484 1-800-444-8484. Gary, uh, we had a caller that could not hang on that had a question about two cartridges that are very popular. Your thoughts? Well, the the question was, which is more accurate, a 6.5 PPC or a 6.5 Creedmoor? Now, first of all, the the 6.5 PPC has a different name. It's called a Grendel. Um, and for those of you who, who don't know, back in the day when we were doing super accurate bench rest shootings, um, two doctors made up a awesome cartridge that was made from the 220 Russian case. I can't pronounce their names. I'm sorry. I'm getting tongue tied in my old age. <clears throat> it holds every 100 and 200 yard record in existence. And that was called the 6PPC. They took the, the, the 6PPC and simply necked it up to 26 caliber and made the 6.5 Grendel. All right. Now, it's an awesomely accurate cartridge. It's even been shot some um, at 1,000-yard competition. But, you know, with a 120-grain bullet, this little cartridge is only producing 2,500 feet per second. So it's not a barn burner, but the accuracy is there. And it, it's a very lethal little cartridge out to about 300, 350 yards. Now, the 6 <clears throat> Creedmoor is another offshoot. It's a relatively modern cartridge um, constructed by Lapua. It was made for long-range accurate shooting. It is a very inherently accurate cartridge. But its ballistics are identical to the ancient 6.5 by 55 Swedish Mauser, which was developed in 1896. So it's a reincarnation of the wheel. It is a very accurate cartridge, and it's also used in 1,000-yard competitions. Most of these guns, as far as innate shooting capability, are capable of shooting sub-half-inch groups at 100 yards. 
and sub-half-inch groups at 200 yards. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. It's like beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Accuracy is in the hands of the shooter. All right. Very good, sir. Um, We were talking on break about a new cartridge that's out there that uh, I found fascinating. I'm not, I'm not familiar with it, and it goes to our subject of low recall recall cartridges for women and, and kids. kids that are sufficient for deer-sized animals. Mm-hmm. Rock on. Winchester and their infinite wisdom brought out a new cartridge last year. It's called a three, uh, excuse me, a thirty-five, three fifty legend. Now, uh, it was designed from the five-five-six or two-twenty-three cartridge, simply straight wall cased, taking a thirty-five caliber bullet, which meets all of the requirements for Indiana and Ohio and Illinois as far as their straight wall. Um, pistol-style case-designed cartridges for deer hunting. Now, one of the sidelines about this little cartridge, it's throwing a 150-grain bullet at right at 2,000 feet per second. Now, that's not a barn burner, but in, you put it in nature with a 35 caliber bullet, and it becomes a deadly son of a gun. Uh, every manufacturer in the world is making bolt guns, semi-automatic guns, um, and everything else for the cartridge. The leading factor to it is it has one half of the recall of a two forty three. So that means the recall level is extremely light on the thing, and yet you've got a cartridge that, that has got plenty of knockdown power. That's that's a real trendsetter, in yep. my opinion, especially for children mm-hmm. and women that are smaller in stature and recall sensitive. Uh what platforms you mentioned? Uh, it's ca- some aspects there that yeah, I find interesting. Adapted to the AR-15, um, Remington, Winchester, Savage, Ruger. Everyone you can think of is making bolt-action guns for it, um, and it, it's gotten to be a pretty hot little item this fall. Well, it, it, ba- that- basically, it allows you to have a thirty-five Remington. Power cartridge and a lightweight two twenty three platform gun. Okay, so you could on an AR platform switch. Take take a, a five five six rifle and an AR platform, pull the top end off of it and stick the top end on it for a three fifty legend, and go. That's pretty That's awesome. Same same bolt, same magazine. That's pretty awesome. Which incidentally is a gun that. Uh, our uh, representative Donahue wants to do away with. Yep. I might add. Oh, Lordy. Whatever happened to common sense? <laughs> it's in short supply. <laughs> Don't start me talking. I'll tell all I know. <laughs> Let's uh, return to a caller. I'm going to make another comment. Edwin Nyberg. Yes, Edwin. Well, I, I want to talk about that round right there. What's the price range uh, on that on that weapon, Mr. Roman? Well, it it all depends on which format. Uh, I mean, if you already have possession of a a, a five five six or twenty two twenty three and a AR fifteen platform, you can change the upper for around four hundred dollars. 
Well, I, I'm I'm looking more for I, I've got a, an eight year old daughter who is absolutely on me to take her hunting, and the problem is two forty threes even in the youth model is a little bit strong for, and it sounds you know. I I never even thought about a thirty five. I've got a thirty five Wayland and a Thompson contender, but mm-hmm. um but that sounds like a, a, a rifle I'd be interested in getting for her. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe like a Savage or Yeah, a Savage, I mean the Ruger, um the new little uh what is the SX three Winchester. Um that's that's not so, the correct model, but anyway, Winchester. But they're they're running oh, you can you can come by them as cheap as about three fifty. Now, okay. I do have a question here. But your issue is stock length. That's the reason I, I said a, a 223.556, because you have an adjustable stock on that to, that you can lower it down for a, a very small individual. My question is, well, what is the availability of the ammunition? No problem. No problem? Everybody's got it. Okay. Very good. Go ahead, Ed. That, that sounds awesome. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I just, Jim, I just wanted to um, follow up on, on what Larry was talking about at the end of his, his comment there. And I don't know if this, all the sportsmen realize the way that the captive service facilities are structured. And the, the department did everything right and all that they can do in, in uh, providing that double fence because everything inside that fence is regulated by the Department of Agriculture, including that 60-day notification period, which was discussed at length. Colonel Gibson absolutely um, recommended discussion on tightening that regulation and actually adding teeth to it because right now, um, even though that window is so long, there's no penalty if they violated the first, second, third, fourth time. So that discussion was there as well, too. And I, I just wanted to clarify that and also um, let the commission know that, that absolutely everything that they did on Friday was for the sportsmen, and uh, we hope to continue that going forward. Um, I, I, I challenge them all the time, and I feel like that whenever they do the right thing, I need to tell them that they've done the right thing on behalf of all the sportsmen. So I appreciate you letting me call back in and run that forward. Very Thank good, you. and that's only right and fair, as you know, when they do good. And as a uh, clarification to those people listening, what we're talking about is deer farms. Deer farms, exactly. Deer, yes, Yep. exactly right. Well, so, well and the other one point about that is, is one of the gentlemen at the meeting, uh, Larry indicated the, uh, the Kayla president who was there. Well, there's another gentleman there who actually owns the biggest uh, shooting preserve in the state, according to him. I haven't verified that. Um, and his point was that, you know, the deer, he buys them, they go in, they die, they come out. Um, well, and they're, and they're bought from what's called an AWA certified facility, which says that they have to test clean in that facility for five years straight before they can get that certification. And as Dr. Carlos pointed out, there is absolutely zero approved test for a living animal for chronic wasting disease. There's some that are in the approval process, but there is no, not one. The only one that they're talking about that they use right now is a fecal um, scan, and it's only right 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. And, for instance, uh, somebody on the commission, maybe Dr. Carlos, pointed out that, that in Indiana, uh, three preserves that have sent animals to Kentucky uh, service farms all had their AWA revoked because they had CWD in their herd. So 
um, just just to let you know, I, I'm not picking on them. I want to make a living, but they they ought to be as as concerned about it as we are as sportsmen. Well, as you may recall, that uh, lack of a live test for servants, elk, deer, etc., was where I kind of broke the plate, if you will, on some of the shenanigans that went on when we brought the elk here to Kentucky. Because a lot of yes. those elk came from CWD states, and statements were being made that they're disease-free, absolutely 100% disease-free, and I said, whoa. Uh, you, can't, you can't give that guarantee. You cannot give that guarantee. Is exactly right. So, <laughs> exactly right. And until those tests are approved, and, and I pray they get them. Um, I had a long talk with a new vet about it, and she says they're very close to approving one that the University of Minnesota um, put out for approval um, that uses the lymphatic tissue. So that would be something that you would be able to biopsy off a, a live deer and check it. Very good. So hopefully they'll get it under control. But uh, great show, Jim, as usual. Mr. Roman, always, always informative. Love listening to it when you're on. You all have a great evening. And, and uh, if I don't talk to you, Mr. Roman, you all have happy holidays. Too. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. we got to go to break here, folks. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Snyder. Got a lot of boats for sale. Get ready for the boat show. They're going to have a really nice display out there for you to get some great deals. We'll be telling you more about that as we approach the holidays. Remember, you never get soaked at SMI. All right, we're back. Gary, let's continue our conversation about Christmas ideas. Something at the top of my list I'd like to discuss is personal defense pistols for women and or men, but I primarily want to speak to women because when we see all this mayhem and stuff that's happening out there, women need protection. Yes, sir. Don't care if you buy pepper spray or mace or whatever you want to call it. It's all the same substance, basically. Or you get her a, a, a small caliber handgun, or get her a larger caliber handgun. I'm 100% sound on revolvers for women because of the adaptability of ammunition that can be had. But when you purchase this gun, buy her a range time course too. You know, it, it's the best thing you could ever do. You've got to get her familiar with whatever you're buying for her. So take the time to drop by one of the ranges, and there's several of them in Louisville now, and buy her some range time or an introductory course. Okay. Talk about some of the pistols you recommend for purse and or personal carry. Uh, 100%. I'm in favor of revolvers because they cannot jam. They also don't have a power requirement on the bullet that you put into them. I prefer 38 Specials. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, Taurus, Charter Arms, um, Smith & Wesson, all make excellent guns on the thing. You're not going to have any issues out of any of them. I prefer them, particularly if they're going to carry them, that it should not have a hammer spur on it. You want a hammerless model so that uh, you don't snag it in the purse. Okay. Now, let's review this real quick. <clears throat> we now have constitutional carry in Kentucky. That means that anyone has the right to carry a firearm, whether it be in their vehicle or on their person. However, that is only good in the state of Kentucky. So if you go into Indiana, 
you're going to Ohio, if you're going to Tennessee, that right is no longer yours. It's only in the state of Kentucky. If you take the effort to get the concealed carry permit, now you're good in 37 states. You have the right to carry that weapon concealed in 37 other states or in your vehicle in any of those states. So I'm a firm believer in having training before you're issued that permit. Uh, You can buy a gun and carry it legally, but I think you should go through the course and get your concealed carry permit. Very good. What particular bullets do you recommend for personal defense in that format? The average shooting occurs at seven feet by FBI statistics. For women, I like to see the little baby shotgun shell that's used in the 38 Special as a deterrent load and as a close-range defense load. Um, if you have to turn the, the the pistol loose, then you don't have to worry where that bullet's going to end up because it's not going past 20 yards, basically. Uh, it's deadly at 10 feet, will only wound at 20 feet, will only scratch paint on a car at 20 yards. Now, that's some nice lethal, lethal deterrent force to have in your hand, but you back it up with some man stoppers. Which are? Uh, jacketed hollow points. Right now, the hottest one on the market is the Hornady Critical Defense Load, which is actually a shielded hollow point, but it, it's a very effective load. Very good. Any uh, thoughts about shotguns here? We got about a minute and a half. Uh <laughs> The world is full of good shotguns right now. Uh, a lot of the inexpensive models are coming in from Turkey, um, particularly in semi-automatics and pumps. They are very good guns. I'm doing very little service work on them. Um, uh, so it, it all shotguns all come down to your application. Same way a handgun or a rifle does. You, you fill the the notch or the niche by the application you're going to use in the shotgun, and then that's where your selection process comes Vis-a-vis in. Vis-a-vis waterfowl, turkey, right. upland game, et cetera. Very good, sir. Well, Gary, as usual, really appreciate you being on. Again, my condolences to Dr. Bill Haycraft's family. He was a, a friend and an ally of mine. He does have a book out. It's available on Amazon. It's called The Doctrine of Prayer by Dr. Bill E. Haycraft. I encourage you to look it up. Enjoyed visiting with you folks as usual. We'll be here next week, same place, same time. God bless everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.